Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you'd like to find out more about us, then visit mind-springs.org. And so then we come to this very interesting way of these two things, like therapy on the one side and and, uh, dharma practice on the other side, meditation practice on the other side. Because in some sense, and certainly when you look at things like CBT or what they call happiness therapy, a guy called Martin Seligman in America, it's about how do we optimize our happiness? How do we make ourselves happy and successful and rich and like popular with you know, those we love? You know, what's, how do we optimize our happiness? And Freud would say, this is a terrible project. He would be on the Buddhist side. He was like, you know, we're not going to be. That's, that's not something we should aspire to. Because that's phony. <clears throat> you know, ordinary unhappiness is the best that we can hope for. But then when you come to people like Jung, when you come to people, uh, you know, the body psychiatrists, then that then becomes more interesting. It becomes more nuanced. Because they, uh, they're, ta- oh, getting ahead of myself. They're, they're talking about ways in which we can understand what stops us being happy. And in many ways, that's what Buddhism is, is promoting. To what are the things we do that actually make us unhappy? And then, it's, then it becomes interesting how I think those things can start to complement one another rather than uh, clash. Let's just first think about the ways that they clash. The, the first one is that idea of the pursuit of happiness. If you are encouraging your clients... In my, my case, as a psychotherapist, or you know your students, if you were a teacher, to think that you could be completely happy all the time, then you would be acting very unethically. Because the the raw material of life precludes that. As I mentioned, the very least we're going to die, we're going to suffer. So, in both sense, like ethical therapy and ethical med- um, meditation practice is about encouraging people to be realistic and to be adult. The difference is how we approach that. Freud really understood that as, as we're bringing unconscious problems into the open. So, bringing the unconscious into the conscious. Jung, on the other hand, said actually what we want to do is we want to open up into the unconscious. So there's different ways of of thinking about how we become realistic in our own skin. From the Buddhist point of view, that whole project of being an ego is problematic. You're trying to strengthen the ego or make the ego happier or make it better or make it less. The whole thing is a bust. What we really need to do is just drop the whole illusion of having a separate ego and try and live in the here and now in a more open-hearted way. And to, to, leave, to leave behind this sense that we are a cocooned being like, and that the rest of the world is a threat. So there becomes a, a much more open-hearted, uh, sensitive... You know, if we drop the defence, then we have to acknowledge that it's painful. And in acknowledging that it's painful, we might also appreciate that other people are feeling pain. So it's not all about us. So this is the first way I think that you know, Buddhism can really uh, help uh, the therapy project. 
when when people come to therapy and they when you and they talk about themselves all the time you you know that you have to really soften that expectation that they're going to be able to be in a state where they can be happy all the time where they can you know live without ever arguing with their partner or ever being annoyed at work or ever being disappointed so in that sense the expectations of your client base in therapy can be widened and in that sense suffering goes down because they no longer have unrealistic expectations however i think there's another important thing when you switch it around that there's a problem in meditation that therapy can help with we were talking about the terrible uh, crisis in the uh, the community the buddhist community around sogyal rinpoche who's a famous uh, tibetan teacher who's been mired in in controversy recently for uh, accusation of sexual abuse of some of his students and this happens all the time i'm sure you're aware of other gurus who've abused their students particularly here in ireland i'm sure that's a, a resonant um, meme <coughs> So some sense of the unconscious is not a bad thing. Believe believing that everything that you see is what there is, you know that there's no sense that there's unconscious things that may distort or may corrupt what's going on is uh, I think a very good counterbalance to a spiritual practice. Reggie always says that actually you need to have gone through therapy before you start meditating. because unless you can br- be aware of what you bring to the cushion all your unconscious distortions or your unconscious uh uh erasures what you're dissociating then it's very difficult to stay present to what's happening so for example you might be sitting meditating and suddenly going oh you know if only if only that person wasn't in this sangha you know I- so much this group would be so much better if, if that person wasn't here then I've I've experienced this you know when I've been teaching and this is one of the reasons that I wanted to train as a therapist that when I've been teaching I'd be teaching and there'd be this one person usually sitting over there where you are sir they'd be sitting opposite me and I'd be, they'd be scowling at me and I'd be like oh you know they hate what I'm saying and like everyone else loves it and if they weren't there then you know this group would be really nice and then I would start to kind of project all these bad thoughts onto this person and this is classic this is this is psychotherapy 101 you know okay so if it's strangely always that person sitting over there and that person always looks a bit like my father then probably it's nothing to do with that person sitting in that seat is a lot to do with my unconscious material so this becomes then a way in which our therapy can safeguard our practice so that in that sense therapy can be useful in keeping our practice safe and then the other thing is that that you know therapy that um, practice sometimes falls down is is this notion of spiritual bypassing have you come across that phrase so the psychologist john wellwood talks about spiritual bypassing where we use some of the meditative practices to just zone out of our life you know we become really good at attaining kind of jhana states you know we considered meditation we're completely kind of you know still and this just open space and the dharmakaya is with us and we're you know we're just living in this bliss state 
And then we get up from the cushion and, you know, we scream at our children because they're, like, annoying us and we kind of, we hate being out in the real world. We just want to be on our cushion. So this is what well would call spiritual bypassing. We're using, we're using meditation as a way of escaping ourselves. And this is also definitely not what the Buddha was teaching. In many ways, the Buddha is the, is the ultimate anti-idealist. He's the anti-platonic teacher. It's not about anything abstract. It's about the here and now. Your hatred and your anger and your diarrhea or your kind of cold or your influenza or your workmates or your problem. This is what you work with. You get stuck in and you, and you work with the material. If you're you know, constantly off in the Dharma realms, but you're absolutely hideous, you're hideous as a work colleague, then you probably need to examine that balance. Um, the way that, the way that um, another way that therapy or some sort of you know, other, if you're in therapy, you've got someone who's staring at you and reflecting back the bits of you that you don't like. It's very easy on the cushion to be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm feeling really good, I'm really perfect, because you, don't, you can airbrush out all the bits that you don't like in that picture. This is why having a teacher... You know, in this tradition, in the, in, the Terabha, in the Vajrayana teacher, the tradition is really important. You have a teacher who goes, what about that bit? Or this bit? You know, or that bit over there that you can't see? And like, oh, I don't want to see that bit. But they reflect it back in the same way that a therapist does that too. And this brings me into to wrapping up and, and talking about some of the things that I think would be really useful to, to bring back into the picture. And one of those is the relational Trying to keep either your, you know, your, certainly your therapy tends to be relational, but that your meditation practice relational, that you, you talk about it to other people, you have a relationship with the teacher or other Sangha members, that you allow other people to reflect back the parts of you that you can't see, and then you work with those on the cushion. So you, you take in the relational, allows you to work with stuff that you can't see on your own. There's too many blind spots when you practice in a vacuum. So the relational is a really important part. The other important part, I think, is, is the awareness of trauma. This is a great big subject, I'm getting too much, but trauma is this, this notion I was talking about, Genetian trauma, that sometimes things happen to people that actually changes the way they are in the world. There's a lot of evidence now that it's not like we're born and we're one person and we go through life and everyone's pretty much the same. Someone who's been traumatized, their brain works in a different way. They experience the, way, the world in a different way and they particularly experience relationships in a different way. And I think this is, this is true of meditation in you know, sanghas where meditation is really central, certainly true in, in, in therapy, is that the way to work with trauma is that you have to work with it relationally again. You have to acknowledge the fact that some people are in a different state of mind than you. And they may, you know, some meditation practice just may not work for people who are traumatized. They might need to do some body work. They might need to do some relational work. There are, there are other things that need to, to, to take place. Uh, a sense of safety, for example. And I think there's definitely cause that some of the more extreme practices in any kind of religious tradition, you know, solitary retreats, darkness practices, these are, are really not suitable for people who have been badly traumatized. 
they need, or if they are used, they need to be, uh, you know, really successfully and carefully kind of maintained and sustained. But then the, the final piece, which I think is, you know, I, you know, I'm really very enthusiastic, is a bit about magic. Uh, you know, the Jungian idea that's really very unfashionable in, in therapy. Nobody really, nobody really talks about Jung anymore. But um, I'm a great fan. Because this, this sense that there is something beyond our ego, but beyond the rational ego of like, you know, I do this and then I do that, and you know, if I do this, then they'll do that. That sort of kind of boring, kind of plotty, that part of us that's always kind of planning what to do and how to get the best out of a situation. There's a sort of, sort of conniving part of us that's quite familiar and we don't often like to show to people, but it's always sort of assessing you know, the world to get what we want sort of ugly side of the ego, if you like. But that beyond that, there's a part of ourselves that's really magical, that's really beyond conceiving, that our thinking mind, our neocortex, can't really grasp, and will never grasp, and that's fine. But we have to be open to it. And this is what I love about these Vajrayana practices. They kind of they boggle the brain. They ask you to do things that are just your ego, and oh, that's ridiculous, why would I do that? But it's almost a way of opening the door in the way that dreams sometimes open a door to a, to a realm of our personality and ourself that is, is way beyond, points way beyond the, the boring, mundane sort of habits of the ego. These patterns of just doing everything the same way and keeping ourselves safe and you know, these routines of automata, autom automating our life to these kind of boring routines. So being open to the magical, being open to the dream image that may suddenly just crack open our life, or the influence of a teacher, or sort of just something that kind of suddenly wakes us up. I think this is really important in both therapy and in, in practice, that we, we keep alive to the, the vastness of our lives. It's very easy, especially I think in these more cognitive forms of therapy, that it can get really like, yeah, well, you need to keep a diary and you need to do more of this, and when they just keep a scale of one to ten about how you feel about, and it becomes really, oh, my life is boring enough as well without all this stuff on top of it. So to kind of open up the the, the space so that you just maybe get surprised, you get surprised and knocked sideways by events from life or by other people or by magical events that can wake us up to the, uh, to, the, to the magic of being alive. There's a great quote by Pema Chodron, who's another um, student of Trumpers, part of this tradition. Um, and one of her teachers said to her, Pema, do you want to be right or do you want to wake up? And I always think that's a really lovely, um, it's a lovely uh, quote. You know, do we just want to feel right and justified, or do we actually want to wake up something to something beyond us? And I think that's, that's definitely something to bear in mind, both in our therapy work as, as therapists and as uh, clients, and certainly something to, to, to bear in mind when we think about meditation. Thank you for listening and please do join us again for more podcasts from MindSprings. You can find out more about us and our work at mind-springs.org. That's mind-springs.org.